My name is Linda. Um, I'm here to do the announcements. Um, Marsha, do we do that first or the old rugged cross? No, whatever announcements are first. Okay, I'm sorry. Good morning, everybody. Um, sympathies to the family of Myron Phillips on his passing. There will be a celebration of life today at 2 p.m. at the First Baptist Church here. That's in your bulletin. Um, Sunday school starts at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning now. Adult Bible study began on September 15th. Join us on Wednesdays from 3 to 4, followed by a time of prayer from 4 to 4.30. It will be a four-week study session on journey of discovery. I went to the first one. Actually, been to two now. It's been very good. And um, Linda Gwynn would like uh, uh, volunteers for Saturday in the Park, a Chopani-sponsored activity, October 9th from 10 a.m. to 12. Or just come there. Be in the park. Enjoy. If it's, hopefully it'll be good weather. See <coughs> Linda Gwynn if you're interested in participating in Saturday in the Park. Oh, are there any announcements? Does anybody else have announcements? I know that the pastor's not here because his brother died. I don't know if everybody knows that, but that's for later. But yes. Good. Yes. Okay. The hymn we're going to sing is The Old Rugged Cross. Yeah. 
honestly, I'm not singing that with all my heart because I don't cherish the cross. I cherish Jesus. But I know that he suffered on that cross for us and that we do have to bear some of that suffering when we choose to follow him. But there's joy. Joy in the journey. The call to worship is this. You have your bulletins. We have another one. We have another one. to worship. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all. I do not know what you're talking about. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I do not know the man. Then Then the rooster crowed. Dear Lord, we We come come to you together together as a church church family, family. yet Yet we we often feel very alone. alone. We come come to you with the strength strength of the cross, cross. yet we are are often too weak to even lift up our arms. We We come come to you, Lord, having received the greatest gift of all, that That being your grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Yet we often forget to share that gift with others. Dear Lord, grant us the love of your church family, the strength to carry the cross to others, and the love to be your beacon to all the world. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, I'm asked to pray today, so for those that have concerns, which would be prayer requests, and we certainly want joys, so it's joys and concern time. I forgot your name. Nick. Nick. So prayers for um, Phil Otto. He's at Norwich Rehab. So if anybody would send him a card, he'd really appreciate that. And, and of course, we want to keep all of Myron Phillips' family in our prayers. Yes, Nicole.
is it, did you say ZJ? DJ. Oh, D, your husband's DJ. Okay, so they're at the Twin Towers? They're doing the Tunnels for Towers 5K in New York City. 5K. Wow. What is Tunnels for Towers? I'm sorry. What is Oh. Prayers for Mariah, who has COVID and pneumonia. She's in the hospital. I just want to thank you for all your prayers and also I would like prayers for Bev Jones from Sherburne passed away Wednesday um, for her family thank you I would like prayers for my sister-in-law, Christine, and my wife, Sandy, who are both taking care of their mother, Betty. <coughs> Audrey, what is it? Okay, um, let's bow our heads. Our Father, who art in heaven, we praise you. You are worthy of all of our attention. We thank you that we can approach you through Jesus Christ, sitting at your right hand. We love you and um, we need you. We, we ask you to be helping our, those in authority make good decisions. We ask you to help them draw them. Lord, we pray for Pastor Mike and Nancy. We pray that the family of their family be able to uh, be safe on this trip. Uh, his brother died and we know it's hard. When it happens, it must be. I, and I pray for them. And I pray for Phil Otto, who's in the rehab. Please help us be mindful of him, those that can visit him, know him. We pray for Myron's family, that you'd give them a hug, that you'd draw them close and encourage them. We pray for DJ at the New York City 5K run. Lord, we need you. The terrorism in other countries scares us, and we need you to help us um, to be, have peaceable lives. So we pray to you, Lord, and we thank you that you, you want us to pray to you. We thank you for who you are. We pray for that to be a safe 5K as we speak. And Lord, we pray for Myra. Please, Lord, touch her body, heal her. Pray for Bev Jones and her family. We know Bev is the one that passed. We pray for her family. We pray that you would comfort them. We pray for Christine and Sandy and that they take and enjoy their mother and their mother enjoy them. I thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers and that you hear our hearts and that you are so good to us, Lord. And we thank you as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Father who art in heaven, heaven hallowed, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will thy be done, done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. We're now going to sing the hymn, Jesus Loves Even Me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad 
Scripture today is Matthew 26, 36 through 39. When Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here with me and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from you. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Here ends the reading of this word. Uh, I'd like to start off with a little disclaimer. You know, that's the part where... this. TV station says they're not responsible for the <laughs> speaking of the commercial. Well, um, some of you know my name is Jim Browning. And for those who do not know, I am certainly not a priest or a pastor or even a deacon. I am a Christian who loves God and has been saved. I wanted to share God's love with you in this morning's message. I know you're not going to believe this, but this is the first time I've ever written a sermon or stood up in front of anyone to give one. So I ask for your patience and understanding. Uh, If I mumble, if you missed a part, or if you just want to go over and revisit the message, in the back of the church, right by the offering plates, there's copies of today's message. Feel free to take them and, and look over them. Charles Spurgeon once said, as he came up the pulpit stairs, that he does not so much deserve to sit in the pews, much less preach to his fellows. If a great preacher such as Charles Spurgeon felt that way, you can imagine how I feel now. I know I am a sinful man. Maybe not in man's standards, but sinful by God's standards. In spite of my sins, God loves me, and his son, Jesus Christ, loves me too. And what a love Christ has for me. And Christ has that love for you. Christ's love is always needed, often taken for granted, but I believe never fully appreciated. Today, I would like to explain some of the sacrifices Christ made for me, sacrifices he made for all of us. When I was 12 years old, being brought up in a good Baptist home, I began attending classes for my baptism. The young pastor who, being a free thinker, thought teaching baptism classes using the rock opera Jesus Christ Superstar was a good way to express the love of Christ to about two dozen young teens. Surprising to many, it truly had a powerful effect on my life. When we think of the sacrifices Christ made for us, we first think of his death. And for our salvation, Christ's death and the spilling of his blood is a price that's needed to be paid for the forgiveness of our sins. His blood is what allows this sinner to be forgiven and for all of humanity to be forgiven. It is truly the gift of eternal life. But I do not think it was the hardest thing that Christ did for us. For myself, the thought of dying, being lifted up into heaven where I spent all of eternity with our loving Father is truly a wonderful blessing and something for us to look forward to. I think for Christ, dying and going to heaven with God was also something he looked forward to. I think the emotional pain would have hurt Christ more. How do you think you would feel 
if you came to save an entire race of people from the eternal fires of hell, only to have them not only turn away from you, but to have you put to death. I can only imagine that would bring about feelings of deep depression, failure, and loneliness. The rejection from these people, a rejection that still goes on by many today, would be enough for me to turn my back and never return. But wait, he was not alone. His friends were with him and were still supporting him. But we know the truth. I was told that Judas was one of his most trusted apostles, that Judas was the treasurer for the 12, and that Christ's trust for him was rewarded with Judas skimming off the top. Jesus trusted him and was repaid for his trust, not only by stealing, but for a few coins, he betrayed Christ. We like to think that we have that one friend that will always be with us, one that will help us in every disaster or emergency. Peter was that way in the beginning. In Luke 22:51, it was Peter who rose up against the soldiers in the Garden of Gethsemane, drew his sword, and cut off the soldier's ear. Remember Christ's love during this. Even though the soldier came to arrest and ultimately crucify him, Jesus took pity on the soldier and healed the ear. When Jesus was with him, Peter was strong in his support of Christ. But we know, and Christ knew, that once Peter was put to the test and Christ was not near, Peter would deny him. Not once, not twice, but three times. In his most difficult and dangerous time, Christ was alone. For me, that despair would be far too much to bear. Alone, I say, but you may ask, what about God? He's always with us, you say. I would like to bring up for discussion sometimes Matthew 27:46, where in the ninth hour of his crucifixion, Christ calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many people have debated what this means. And again, I encourage all of you to read Matthew 27, 46, to pray and study and search for the answer yourself. But most people seem to believe that Christ chose to take on the sins of, his, of the world. God could not look upon that sin, so he turned away. Most believe that Christ knew in advance that he was taking on your sins, my sins, the world's sins, and at the greatest time of his need, Jesus would be totally alone. And yet, Christ loved us enough to do this for all of us. We know Christ's emotional stress must have been severe, but what about his psychological well-being? In Luke 22:44, tells us, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the sky. In the book, The Case for Christ, and again, I encourage anyone to read it that hasn't, Lee Strobel says, there is a known medical condition called hemodehydrosis associated with a high degree of psychological stress. What happens is that severe anxiety causes a release of chemicals that break down the capillaries in the sweat glands. As a result, there is a small amount of bleeding and the sweat comes out tinged with blood. This also makes the skin extremely fragile. Most of us have never heard about this because as it says, um, it, it's caused by uh, high degree of psychological stress. Christ was not stressed like we might be being late to go to work. This was a severe case of stress. In Luke 22:42, we read Christ praying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. Christ knew what torture he would go through. He knew it would be severe and unbearable. He knew he could stop it at any time because Matthew 26, 53, Christ asked Peter, 
Do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? If Jesus could have avoided all this pain and suffering, why didn't he? The next verse gives us the answer. Matthew 26:54 says, how then can the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? If Christ did not suffer and die, you would never have been saved. I would never have been saved. No one would ever have been saved. Christ could have avoided all this pain and suffering, but he chose not to. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us too much to let us perish. You may ask, what kind of pain did he suffer? I want to tell you about the pain and suffering that he went through so you would understand how much he truly loves us, how much he was truly willing to sacrifice for us. He endured this torture so that you could spend eternity in heaven with God in Christ. Again, according to the author Lee Strobel in the book, The Case for Christ, Christ's torture, and I quote, was the most unimaginable brutality, a beating so barbarous that it shocks the conscience, and a form of capital punishment so deprived that it stands as a wretched testimony to man's inhumanity to man. But what bro bro uh, brutality are we talking about? Let's start with the first one, the flogging. Again, as explained in the case for Christ, Roman floggings were known to be terribly brutal. They usually consisted of 39 lashes, but were frequently more, depending on the mood of the soldier applying the, the blows. The whips used would be made of many braided strands of leather with metal balls or sharp, sharp pieces of bone at the end. This, these whips would cut the shoulders, would cut the flesh all the way from the shoulders to the back of the legs. The beatings were so severe that the back would be shredded so that some of the spine would be exposed. Often the blood loss would be so great that the victim would die from the blood loss. If the victim survived, surely the whipping would surely result in hypovolemia, which is caused by loss of great amounts of blood. This results in a drop of blood pressure causing fainting and collapse. The victim also becomes very thirsty as the body craves fluids to replace the blood loss. That brings us to the second physical torture, the carrying of the cross. I would suggest that carrying a wooden cross that is maybe six inches square, 10 feet long, and a cross member of about six feet would be very heavy, but I would not call it torture until you consider that this would be supported on the backs and shoulders, a back and shoulders whose flesh had been beaten and shredded to the bone. In addition, Christ was so weak from the loss of blood that he staggered and collapsed. And Matthew 27:32 tells us that Simon from Cyrene had to carry the cross for Christ. This must only because Jesus was too weak to carry the burden any further. Later, in John 19, 28, Christ says, I thirst, again showing that Christ was suffering from great loss of blood. In answer to this thirst, the Romans gave him vinegar. Even to the very end, he was shown no mercy. But what of the actual crucifixion? Once again, I get my information from the case for Christ. A vertical beam would have already been placed in the, crown, in the ground. A cross beam would have been placed in the ground and the outstretched arms of Christ placed on it. Spikes five to seven inches long would have been driven into Christ's wrists. We have all at one time or another banged our elbow, instantly causing us great pain, and to yelp and to rub our elbows and yell words we should never say. Now imagine these nerves being crushed by a six-inch spike through both wrists. You can't rub it. Instead of lasting just a fraction of a second, the pain never ends. Now Christ was lifted to the vertical beam and the cross beam was secured to it. All his weight was now supported on these tortured nerves. His arms would be extending, extended, causing his shoulders to dislocate. 
thus fulfilling the prophecy of Psalms 22. My bones are out of joint. To add to his torment, his feet were then nailed, crushing the nerves in his feet and causing the same pain. At the time, there were no words to describe the pain, so they invented a new word, excruciating. Excruciating, which means out of the cross. So if all this pain was before the hanging on the cross, how much worse would out of the cross be? Once again, the case for Christ explains that once Christ was hanging in this vertical position, crucifixion is essentially an agonizingly slow death by asphyxiation. Christ's weight on his muscles and diaphragm put his chest in the exhale position. To inhale, Christ would have to push up on his feet, causing the nails to tear through his feet and scraping his bloodied back on the rough wood of the cross. Again and again, in a weakened state, Christ would have to pull himself up, scraping his back and tearing his feet each time until he was too exhausted to continue and would have died. I'm truly sorry I had to put this in such graphic terms, but I think it's important to know what Christ's love means for us how much he was willing to suffer for us. This was not a death that came as a surprise to Christ. The prophets foretold the suffering hundreds of years earlier. Christ knew before he was arrested. Christ knew before his triumphant return to Jerusalem. Christ even knew before his birth. Think of that. Christ knew even before his birth that the very people he was coming to save were going to reject him. He knew even before his birth that his closest friends would deny and betray him. Christ knew before his birth that his death would be the cruelest, most torturous, most excruciating death ever known, and still he went through it. And remember it at any time, we read in Matthew 26, 53, At any time, Christ could have prayed and received 12 legions of angels to stop this. So why did Christ go through this? Why did he suffer the rejection, the very people he came to save? Why would he suffer the humiliation of his closest friends betraying him and denying him? Why did he suffer brutal whipping and the most painful death man could ever come up with? To fulfill the prophecies? Yes. Partially, he needed people to know that he was the true Messiah. But then it was more than that. Christ suffered because we are all sinful people. We are not capable of entering the kingdom of heaven based on following the laws or our few good deeds. Our sins needed to be paid for. Christ paid for his sins, our sins with his blood. Our sins of yesterday, our sins of today, our sins of tomorrow, and all of our sins have been paid for in full and for always. Jesus Christ did this for all of us, but his love was so strong that Christ would have done this just for one of us. Christ loved me so much that he would have suffered and died just for me and he would have done it just for you. I don't know why Jesus loves me this much. I certainly know I do not deserve it. I also know I truly need Christ's love and forgiveness. I am truly grateful to say Christ loves me, and through his suffering and sacrifice, I am saved. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing the last hymn, Blessed Assurance. <clears throat>